Hey y'all, welcome back as we continue with Gideon's journey, journey in Judges 8. We're going to start with verse 1. Then the people of Ephraim asked Gideon, why have you treated us this way? Why didn't you send for us when you first went out to fight the Midianites? And they argued heatedly with Gideon. But Gideon replied, what have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't even the leftover grapes of Ephraim's harvest better than the entire crop of my clan of Abiezar? God gave you victory over Oreb and Zeab, the commanders of the Midianite army. What have I accomplished compared to that? When the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, their anger subsided. Gideon then crossed the Jordan River with his 300 men, and though exhausted, they continued to chase the enemy. When they reached Sakoth, Gideon asked the leaders of the town, Please give my warriors some food. They are very tired. I am chasing Ziba and Zomirah, the kings of Midian. But the officials of Sakoth replied, Catch Ziba and Zomana first, and then we will feed your army. So Gideon said, After the Lord gives me victory over Ziba and Zomana, I will return and tear your flesh with thorns and briars from the wilderness. From there, Gideon went up to Peniel and again asked for food, but he got the same answer. So he said to the people of Peniel, After I return in victory, I will tear down this tower. By this time, Ziba and Zalmuna were in Karkor with about 15,000 warriors. All that remained of the allied armies of the east for 120,000 had already been killed. Now remember, this is three a man, an army of 300 men. In verse 11, Gideon circled around by the caravan route east of Nova, Jagbeha, taking the Midianite army by surprise. Ziba and Zumana, the two Midianite kings, fled, but Gideon chased them down and captured all of their warriors. After this, Gideon returned from the battle by way of Paris Pass, and there he captured a young man from Zakoth and demanded that he write down the names of all the 77 officials and elders in the town. Gideon then returned to Sakoth and said to the leaders, Here are Ziba and Zalmana. When we were here before, you taunted me, saying, Catch Ziba and Zalmana first, and then we'll feed your exhausted army. Then Gideon took the elders of the town and taught them a lesson, punishing them with thorns and briars from the wilderness. He also tore down the Tower of Peniel and killed all the men in the tower. Then Gideon asked Ziba and Zalmana, the men you killed at Tabor, what were they like? Like you, they replied, they all had the look of a king's son. They were my brothers, the sons of my own mother, Gideon exclaimed. As surely as the Lord lives, I wouldn't kill you if you hadn't killed them. Turning to Jether, his oldest son, he said, kill them. But Jether did not draw his sword, for he was only a boy and was afraid. Then Ziba and Zalmana said to Gideon, Be a man and kill us yourself. So Gideon killed them both and took the royal ornaments from the necks of their camels. Then the Israelites said to Gideon, Be our ruler. You and your son and your grandson will be our rulers, for you have rescued us from Midian. But Gideon replied, I will not rule over you, nor will my son. The Lord will rule over you. However, I do have one request, and that is that each of you give me an earring from the plunder you collected from your fallen enemies, the enemies being the Ishmaelites, all wore gold earrings. Gladly, they replied, 
They spread out a cloak, and each one threw in a gold earring he had gathered from the plunder. The weight of the gold earrings was 43 pounds, not including the royal ornaments and the pendants, the purple clothing worn by the kings of Midian, or the chains around the necks of their camels. Gideon made a sacred ephod from the gold and put it on Ophrah, his hometown, put it in Ophrah, sorry, his hometown. But soon all the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshiping it, and it became a trap for Gideon and his family. That is the story of how the people of Israel defeated Midian, which never recovered. Throughout the rest of Gideon's lifetime, about 40 years, there was peace in the land. Then Gideon, son of Joash, returned home, and he had 70 sons born to him, for he had many wives. He also had a concubine in Shechem who gave birth to a son who he named Abimelech. Gideon died when he was very old, and he was buried in the grave of his father Joash at Ophrah in the land of the clan of Abiazar. As soon as Gideon died, the Israelite prostituted themselves by worshipping the images of Baal, making Baal Bareth their god. They forgot the Lord their God, who had rescued them from all their enemies surrounding them, nor did they show any loyalty to the family of Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, despite all the good that he had done for Israel. So a couple of takeaways out of this chapter. I just wanted to read it first and then give you some of my takeaways here. The the thing is with this chapter is Gideon, he's not consulting God in a lot of these decisions. He's not praying. He's not asking God which direction to go. And the big question lies in, is your life truly about God? He doesn't consult God or his direction, and he kind of does whatever he wants here. He didn't train his son for battle or leadership. His son was afraid, so he just ignored that and took care of it himself. And there are signs of falling here. He, he was very successful. God gave him success, but it was God that gave it to him. And strength and success can cause us to forget about God and how quickly they forget about God. And some signs of falling away from God is not praying, prayerlessness, and failing to consult God or other elders that might have insight from God, and resenting others, having material excess. He asked for all these gold earrings, and he's worried about his reputation, and he's more concerned about that than God's direction and humil humbly sub submitting himself before God. He doesn't follow God's instruction, and he moves to people's attention, and he takes that attention from God, and he puts it onto himself instead of referring it back to God. He starts to compromise. He's like, look, God is the ruler over you, but let's go ahead and make this gold, this gold ephod, and it backfires, and it leads to sin, and it leads to them being pulled away from God. In chapter 9, we'll continue with verse 1. One day Gideon's son, Abimelech, went to Shechem to visit his uncles. So this was the one that was born of a concubine. His mother's brothers. He said to them and to the rest of his mother's family, Ask the leading citizens of Shechem whether they want to be ruled by all 70 of Gideon's sons or by one man. And remember that I am your own flesh and blood. So Abimelech's uncles gave his message to all the citizens of Shechem on his behalf. And after listening to his proposal, the people of Shechem decided in favor of Abimelech because he was their relative. They gave him 70 silver coins from the temple of Baal Bereth, which he used to hire some reckless troublemakers who agreed to follow him. He went to his father's home at Ophrah, and there on one stone they killed 
all 70 of his half-brothers, the sons of Gideon, but the youngest brother, Jotham, managed to escape and hide. Then all the leading citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo called a meeting under the oak beside the pillar at Shechem and made Abimelech their king. When Jotham heard about this, he climbed to the top of Mount Gerizim and shouted. So this was one of the mountains that they shouted when they from when they first entered the, the land that God promised them. He is on Mount Gerizim now, and he calls out to them to make a choice. If you've done wrong, make it right. And he shows great courage, and he shares God's words, and he, he shares what God put on his heart to share, and he screams it from the top of Mount Gerizim. Listen to me, citizens of Shechem. Listen to me if you want God to listen to you. Once upon a time, the trees decided to choose a king. First, they said to the olive tree, be our king. But the olive tree refused, saying, should I quit producing the olive oil that blesses both God and people just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then they said to the fig tree, be our king. But the fig tree also refused, saying, should I quit producing my sweet fruit just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then they said to the grapevine, you be our king. But the grapevine also refused, saying, should I quit producing the wine that cheers both God and people just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then all the trees finally turned to the thorn bush and said, come, you be our king. And the thorn bush replied to the trees, if you truly want me to make me your king, come and take shelter in my shade. If not, let fire come out for me and devour the cedars of Lebanon. So they go to the strongest trees and the smallest verse, the smallest bush, the smallest of all of these comparisons are taking on the strongest trees. And he's speaking truth in love and sharing the gospel and giving them this warning in verse 16. Jotham continued, now make sure you have acted honorably and in good faith by making Abimelech your king and that you have done right by Gideon and all of his descendants. Have you treated him with the honor he deserves for all he accomplished? For he fought for you and risked his life when he rescued you from the Midianites. But today you have revolted against my father and his descendants, killing his 70 sons and on one stone. And you have chosen his slave woman's son, Abimelech, to be your king just because he's your relative. If you have acted honorably and in good faith toward Gideon and his descendants today, then may you find joy in Abimelech, and may he find joy in you. But if you have not acted in good faith, then may fire come out from Abimelech and devour the leading citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo. And may fire come out from the citizens of Shechem and Beth Milo and devour Abimelech. Then Jotham escaped and lived in Beer because he was afraid of his brother Abimelech. After Abimelech had ruled over Israel for three years, God sent a spirit that stirred up trouble between Abimelech and the leading citizens of Shechem, and they revolted. God was punishing Abimelech for murdering Gideon's 70 sons and the citizens of Shechem for supporting him in his treacherous murder of his brothers. The citizens of Shechem set an ambush for Abimelech on the hilltops and robbed everyone who passed that way. But someone warned Abimelech about their plot. One day, Goal, son of Ebed, moved to Shechem with his brothers and gained confidence of the leading citizens of Shechem. During the annual harvest festival at Shechem, he held in the temple of the local god. The wine flowed freely, and everyone began cursing Abimelech. Who is Abimelech? Gaal shouted. He is not a true son of Shechem, so why should we be his servants? He's merely the son of Gideon, and this Zebul is merely his deputy. 
Serve the true sons of Hamor, the founder of Shechem. Why should we serve Abimelech? If I were in charge here, I would get rid of Abimelech. I would say to him, get some soldiers and come out and fight. But then Zabal, the leader of the city, heard what Gaal was saying, and he was furious. He sent messengers to Abimelech in Arumah, telling him, Gaal, son of Ebed, and his brothers had, have come to live in Shechem, and now they are inciting the city to rebel against you. Come by night with an army and hide out in the fields. In the morning, as soon as it is daylight, attack the city. When Gaal and those who are with him come out against you, you can do with them as you wish. So Abimelech and his men went by night and split into four groups, stationing themselves around Shechem. Gaal was standing at the city gates when Abimelech and his army came out of hiding. When Gaal saw them, he said to Zebul, Look, there are people coming down from the hilltops. Zebul replied, It's just the shadows on the hills that look like men. But again, Gaal said, No, people are coming down from the hills, and another group is coming down the road past the diviner's oak. Then Zebul turned on him and asked, Now where is that big mouth of yours? Wasn't it you who said, Who is Abimelech, and why should we be his servants? The men you mocked are right outside the city. Go out and fight them. So Gaal led the leading citizens of Shechem into battle against Abimelech. But Abimelech chased him, and many of the Shechem's men were wounded and fell along the road as they retreated into the city gate. Abimelech returned to Rumah, and Zebul drove Gaal and his brothers out of Shechem. The next day, the people of Shechem went out into the fields to battle. When Abimelech heard about it, he divided his men into three groups and set an ambush in the fields. When Abimelech saw the people coming out of the city, he and his men jumped up from their hiding places and attacked them. Abimelech and his group stormed the city gate to keep the men of Shechem from getting back in, and while Abimelech's other two groups cut them down in the fields. The battle went on all day before Abimelech finally captured the city. He killed the people, leveled the city, and scattered salt over the ground. When the leading citizens who lived in the tower of Shechem heard what had happened, they ran and hid in the temple of Baal Bereth. Someone reported to Abimelech that the citizens had gathered in the temple. So he led his forces to Mount Zalman. He took an axe and chopped some branches from the tree, and then he put them on his shoulder. Quick, do as I have done, he told the men. So each of them cut down some branches, following Abimelech's example. They piled the branches against the walls of the temple and set them on fire. So all the people who lived in the tower of Shechem died, about a thousand men and women. Then Abimelech attacked the town of Tobias and captured it. But there was a strong tower inside the town, and all the men and the women, the entire population, fled to it. They barricaded themselves in and climbed up to the roof of the tower. Abimelech followed them to attack the tower, but as he prepared to set fire to the entrance, a woman on the roof dropped a millstone that landed on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. He quickly said to his young armor-bearer, Draw your sword and kill me. Don't let me... Don't let it be said that a woman killed Abimelech. So the young man ran through with his sword, and he died. When Abimelech's men saw that he was dead, they disbanded and returned to their homes. In this way, God punished Abimelech for the evil that he had done against his father by murdering his 70 brothers. God also punished the men of Shechem for all their evil. So the curse of Jotham, son of Gideon, was fulfilled. So we, here we have Israel fighting against themselves, fighting within themselves. They are on the same team, but now they are revolting and fighting against each other and killing each other. 
in Israel's problem, this chapter really shows that Israel's problem is within Israel's self. It's within their heart. It's a heart issue, the fruit of their sinful choices. And sin is its own curse. And um, he burns people alive in towers. They're all fighting. They're all killing each other. And they, they show that the problem is truly within their own heart and soul. And it also shows that they need a true king. They need a savior. They need Jesus. And Jesus is the exact opposite of Abimelech. And he is the kind of person that was crushed himself in order to take our sins from us. He, he, Abimelech killed people, but Jesus saves people. Jesus took our millstone and was crushed for us, for our sin. He's the complete opposite of Abimelech, and that's what we needed was a savior, a true king, a true rescuer, and Jesus provided that rescue for us. And those who lived by the sword ended up dying by the sword. They lived by their own sin, and the fruit of their choices was revealed. So that concludes the story of Abimelech, and we will continue through the judges tomorrow. Hope you all are having a great day.